Amen. So 1 Corinthians, we're up to chapter 12, and for those of you that haven't been with us, we've been going through chapter by chapter the book of Corinthians. It's um, been a great Bible study, as far as I'm concerned. I've really learned a lot from it. Um, I'm hoping everyone else has too. It's, you know, for, for a new church, I think it's been a great book to go through, um, showing us how we don't want to be, and how, uh, you know, how the Corinthians sadly got a lot wrong, didn't they? Um, and obviously, we've just gone on from chapter 11, where, where they were talking about uh, obviously in the second half, especially the Lord's Supper. And, um, and then that warning, wasn't there, of that punishment as well. And we go into chapter 12 here, and he starts in verse 1 saying, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So he, obviously he's just rebuked them, hasn't he, the Corinthians, for their Lord's Supper feast. They've just turned it into a big old raucous party. And, and now he wants to give them some knowledge. And knowledge is good, isn't it? Of course we saw that knowledge puffeth up, charity edifieth. But there's nothing wrong with knowledge as long as it's used in the right way and it's for the right reasons as well. And he's saying he's not going to have you ignorant. Being ignorant isn't a good thing. He goes on in verse 2 where he says, Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols even as ye were led. Okay, so obviously Gentiles are non-Jews. It just splits it into two, either Jews or Gentiles. Um, And... Dumb idols here. And, and by the way, just quickly that Jews and Gentiles. Some people use that as, you know, as I talked before, they talked about, you know, obviously you've got these kind of dispensationalists that just like to kind of make it all about race. But it's interesting there, isn't it? That there's basically only two. There's either the Jews, and obviously for a reason, because they, to them were committed the oracles of God, and then you've got everyone else. And there's not this sort of, you know, well, you've got the, the Gentiles, and you've got the this, and you've got the that. It's just Gentiles, you know. Um, a lot of the time we just talk about Jew or Gentile, okay, either Jews or the non-Jews. And he said that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols even as you were led. And dumb idols, obviously, are idols that can't or don't speak. Some people use dumb for stupid. It's obviously talking about that can't speak. And with, with false religion of all kinds, and there are many types of false religion, aren't there? People are carried away a lot of the time, I believe, having been led into it. And they do get led into it often. Most of the time, it's, it's led through one way or another. I mean, some people might just pick and choose, go, I like that religion I'm going through. But a lot of the time, it's through families, isn't it? Friends and other things like that, some sort of influence. But regardless of being led into it, they still make that decision, don't they, to follow it. So as they get to that point, especially in adulthood, for some kids it can be tough, they're still making that decision to continue following a false religion. Um, and it's an important thing to remember, I think. And it can be frustrating, can't it, when we're soul winning? It be frustrating when we're knocking on doors and these people are being led away unto dumb idols. And some, some of the religions and some of the versions of Christianity and other things are ridiculous, aren't they? And it can be really tough because you're trying to get through to people and they just won't have it. And, but some of us, we've got to remember, some of us have been, were at some point led away unto some version of dumb idol or other, weren't we? Uh, and whether or not it was a false religion, some might not have been involved in false religion, but a lot of the time it's some other idol, something else they're putting above God that they're worshipping in their life. Um, and it's a good thing to remember that. But our God isn't a dumb idol because he speaks to us, doesn't he, through the word of God? Okay, he speaks to us through the word of God. And it, it's funny, isn't it, if you've ever tried to read any other so-called holy book, they are absolutely ridiculous compared with this, aren't they? And I was, um, I, I was out today, actually, and I was, um, Brother Jamie was, was getting this fella saved, and we, we had the fowls were circling, and this fowl just suddenly came out of nowhere, and it was a friend of this guy, and, um, and I, I was just trying my best to keep him away, and he was just really wondering, what's going on there? And I'm trying to talk, and then I somehow let it get into a debate, and we're just having, having this debate. And, and in the middle of the debate, because he's just going, well, that's written by man. It's, you know, he's getting really angry and agitated. He was clearly, you know, pretty anti-God, this guy. And um, Amen. In the end, Brother Jamie got the guy saved. So it all worked out at the end. But I was just going through this ridiculous debate with this guy. Anyway, so I was just saying to him, but look at, look at the majesty, the beauty. And I started reading in the beginning. I, I love, like, the Gospel of John, the first chapter. And, and just when you read that, there, man can't write that, can he? Man can't write it on his own. It's, it's, it just, it's set apart, isn't it? But of course, a natural man understandeth not the things of God, do they? And, and for him, he's just like, what a load of rubbish. But it is amazing, this book, isn't it? And that's how God speaks to us. God speaks to us through the word of God. He is not a dumb idol, obviously. And there is no comparison. There's no comparison. Someone gave me a while back a Quran. And what a load of old nonsense that is, eh? <laughs> Anyone ever tried reading the Quran or any parts of it? Oh, wow. <laughs> it is ridiculous, isn't it? And, and it's like just such a bad kind of copy of the Bible, isn't it? It's kind of, it tries to sound a bit, a bit biblical, but just gets it all wrong. 
Um, but there is no comparison. So in verse 3 here, we've got wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now this is yet another verse that's used for false ecumenical doctrine, isn't it? And the ecumenical doctrine is that basically anyone calling Jesus his Lord must be saved or must be a Christian or whatever version they want to call it. And I've heard this used before. And um, obviously, and I actually read this to someone today, part of it, but let, let's just quickly go to Matthew 7. Um, and from verse 22, because it's saying, and no, no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost, second part of verse 3. In Matthew 7.22, of course, there are people that call Jesus Lord. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, they're calling Jesus Lord in that day, aren't they? They're calling Jesus Lord... But before that day, it wasn't Jesus they were calling the Lord, was it? It was some false version of Jesus. And that's the truth. It's their own version of Jesus that they're calling the Lord, aren't they? In their churches, even in their false religions. Now, that, 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 that come away from Christianity, it can be a Jesus that only died for some sins. Yeah, sometimes it's a Jesus that only died for particular sins. Or a Jesus that, that died so that you can then work your way to heaven. There's that one, isn't there? There's that, that version of, of Lord. A Jesus that wasn't God in the flesh. Yeah, we've heard of that one, haven't we? Jesus that wasn't God in the flesh. Or a Jesus that was a different form of God the Father and the Holy Ghost. It's all just one form of God. It's all, you know, this modalism type thing. Or a Jesus, obviously, that required a turning, at least a turning from their wicked way. Some sort of repenting of sins, some sort of turning from sins. Although no one seems to be able to categorise exactly what that is. But it is a different Jesus, isn't it? It's a different Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the Bible, is it? Because the Jesus of the Bible died, buried and rose again and that paid for all our sins, past, present, future. Okay, And that is a different, different Jesus. Now, saying that Jesus is the Lord here, so in verse 3 there it said that, um, sorry, back to 1 Corinthians 12, and in verse 3 there it said, I understand, I'll give you to understand, no man uh, speaking by the Spirit of God calling Jesus Christ, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. And I believe that's kind of really referring like, like we often go to Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess to thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But, but to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus is very different just going, Jesus is Lord. That requires a King James Bible and a Spirit-filled preacher, doesn't it? That requires a, a combination there to then really understand and know what calling Jesus Lord is, yeah? Um, okay, but he said here first, at the beginning of that, that verse, he said, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. So there's no Holy Spirit when there are so-called religions, the so-called religious, calling Jesus accursed to some degree or other. Now that might sound fairly obvious, but... And not to flog a dead horse here, but there are many Jews up to this day, aren't there, that call Jesus wicked and everything else, don't they? It's pretty clear. And then these brainwashed Zionist Christians not only worship them, but they listen to them expounding the Old Testament. Have you seen that nonsense? Where they're like, well, Rabbi whatever said that in fact this meant this and this was talking about that and everything else. Well, there's no Holy Spirit there, so why are you going to listen? He doesn't understand what the Bible's saying. Yeah, he doesn't understand at all. Um, so no man, speaking by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus a curse. So, but really what Paul's building up to here is that he's, he's basically he's highlighting here that following gifts are for saved Christians. Because now we're going to go on to spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. So in verse 4, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So a variety of gifts, it's all one Holy Spirit, isn't it? Verse 5, there are, diver uh, sorry, there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. So administrations, distributions, not everyone is given the same gifts, but we're all still of the same Jesus Christ, aren't we? It all comes from that. Whether or not we all have different gifts, different skills, different things, it doesn't mean that we're all from a different religion, obviously. Verse 6, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. 
Okay, so there are varieties of uses of the gifts is how I see that. I know some people read that slightly differently. Um, but it is the same God. So an application of verse 4, 5, and 6 there could be that we all differ in our gifts and how we use them. It doesn't mean that we're not all saved Christians, yeah? And I know that might sound, again, you might think, well, that's pretty obvious. But, for example, um, I'm not going to use real examples here because might offend or something else but just say we had sitting in that empty chair there we had we had old big frank in there yeah okay big frank's been coming to the church for years he's been zealous for god for years he's clearly got the gift of knowledge he's been he's saved he's but not only that he just seems to recall verses like that he just knows the bible inside out yeah okay someone else say we've got sitting in um sitting next to him yeah, they're good friends, and he's and we've got maybe they're not good friends in fact, but we've got we've got Bernard. Okay, we've got Bernard sitting next to Frank. I was trying to pick names that no one else has <laughs> clearly got. Okay, so we've got Bernard sitting next to Frank. Yeah, now Bernard clearly doesn't have that gift of knowledge. Yeah, but he's been saved and zealous for God for the same amount of times. Can't he can't recall verses info like Frank? Now there could be a tendency for Big Frank there to to look at. Bernard and wonder if he's saved, couldn't he? He could be looking at Bernard saying, well, we've got saved the same time. He's been coming to church. He's read the Bible the same amount of times as me. Can't even, he can't even memorise this verse. He doesn't know where this one is. Or maybe he's thinking, does he really read his Bible? Yeah. Does he really? You know, he can't recall verses like I can. He doesn't have the knowledge I do. He doesn't know that book and that book inside out. Or maybe he's thinking, Bernard's obviously got a lot of sin in his life, hasn't he? Bernard's obviously got a lot of sin in his life because he, he just doesn't have what I have. But Bernard maybe has a gift of ministering or maybe helps if you believe that's what it's referring to in verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 12. So he's just one of them guys that without even being asked, he just gets on with stuff in the church. He's just such a help to the church. He's just one of those people. Just everything seems to get done. You don't even notice him doing it. And it's not to be seen to do it. It's not begrudgingly. He just does it. Now, he's just as saved, isn't he? In fact, he's just as useful. Maybe he's more useful in the church. But I think that's what we're talking about here, aren't we? There's different spirits, different gifts, different, but it's all one Holy Spirit, yeah? Okay, in verse 7 here, it says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Okay, so the profit is for the body, the church. With all there is with the rest, is to profit with the rest. Okay, so... Yeah, look, the individual obviously profits. You've got a spiritual gift. You've got something that cl is clear that you have a gift in something. Yeah, you're going to get some profit, but the focus has to be on the church. So it could be there might be people that wonder, that oh, I just don't know what my gift is. I just don't do I even have a gift. But maybe it's not obvious to them because it's not being made manifest because their focus isn't on benefiting the church. Their focus isn't on the church. Their focus isn't on on improving the church, they're focused on themselves. And really, is that a useful gift? Is that really going to become manifest, that obviously, to them, if all they're thinking about is how they can look a certain way and how great they can be or anything else? And do we, and that's the thing, and that's a, that's a question we should all ask ourselves and remind ourselves a lot of, is do we really, really want this church to succeed? Do we want the church to succeed or is it about us? Is it about our aspirations in the church? Is it about our fellowship? Is it about our, you know, getting to a certain role later on or becoming a big deal in the church or being the best whatever it is in the church? Because it shouldn't be, shouldn't it? And if you are like that, I don't think your spiritual gifts are going to be as, they're, they're not, I don't think they're going to manifest so much if that's your focus. And it's an important thing to think about for everyone, isn't it? Is it about you? And he goes on here in verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Right. Before we go through these, as you are all aware, probably, or most people are aware, there are a variety of beliefs on this passage and other passage, passages of this in Scripture. Now, obviously, you've got the charismatics, obviously called the charismaniacs as well, for good reason. Okay, and we've got, an, and obviously, they're different charismatic churches, but there are some extremes, aren't there? And there are some extremes where you go into a church and it's, what, what is going on? Now, I remember going to one when I was really young, actually, with a friend from school. 
for, for many reasons. But I remember going to one of these churches and yeah, I mean, you had the lot. You had people shaking and falling down and it is crazy, you know. And I remember my mum being really angry. I'd stayed at his house. She didn't even know that I was, we were going to church the next day at this church. And for good reason, she was angry. Um, okay, then you've got, so you've got the charismatics, charismaniacs. And what it, that then does, it creates this debate. You, you may have heard of again, we've got cessationism and continuationism. So cessationism you got to the extreme where there's literally not one spiritual gift some people believe that that there's you know they're all done away with and then you've got the extreme on the other hand continue continuationism where basically absolutely every spiritual gift still continues um to this day okay now then you've got some stuff in between so you've got some that believe that everything in this chapter like i said ceased with the completion of the new testament but you've also got some that believe that certain of these ceased um You've got some that believe that Romans 12, and we'll go there in a bit, 6 to 8, are the only applicable gifts to this day. Um, you've got some that believe that Romans 12 aren't spiritual gifts at all, that they're just kind of just ways of being, you know, like gifts without the spiritual part. Um, and you've got everywhere in between that as well. Now, I, I myself believe that there are a combination of gifts in this chapter. So I believe that some have ceased, and I believe that some will some do continue okay that's where I stand on this um, okay and again I've heard different things I've heard amongst people we know different readings of this sort of thing as well and, and obviously Romans 12 as well now um, verse 8 there said for to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit now again I've heard people argue that these were only for the writing of the New Testament Okay, so the gift of knowledge, gift of wit, or the word of knowledge was all about writing the Bible. Um, I don't think that's true, myself. Um, so I believe that these are spiritual gifts that still apply. Okay, so I think the gift of knowledge, gift of wisdom, because uh, others would go to, to Romans 12 and go, well, the teaching is that kind of knowledge. But I think there's a difference here. The gift of knowledge, gift of wisdom. Um, okay, what's the difference between wisdom and knowledge? Well, wisdom is the right use, use or exercise of knowledge, discerning or judging what is best, most just, most proper, whereas knowledge is a clear and certain perception of that which exists or of truth and fact. Okay, so there's two differences, aren't there? There's one having the knowledge, there's one really, in a way, being able to apply it in the best way. Yeah, and you don't necessarily have as much knowledge as a person that has that to be able to apply it. If you can have wisdom and knowledge that's, that's some cool gifts to have but um but it's all for the edifying it's all to profit with all isn't it okay so two different things well, notice how it's a word of wisdom and of knowledge and that's why some people like to point to what it's about writing the bible no i think it's because it's to be used it's to profit people it's not just sitting there with some knowledge with a load of knowledge oh, well i know everything about the bible great or i've got all this wisdom so i can deal with my it, it's to edify others isn't it Okay, but it's important with that as well because there are many that, that could look at that and think, well, I'm going to prove my gift of knowledge and wisdom and just go around the church constantly telling people knowledge and constantly trying to advise them on things, which maybe no one really wants. Um, so, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's being used, but in the right way at the right time when it's wanted as well. Um, okay, again, they are remember they are for the benefit of the church okay now verse 9 says to another faith by the same spirit to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit okay so faith here is beyond the faith required for salvation so to get saved requires an amount of faith doesn't it not a very large amount but it's faith in Jesus Christ isn't it um, but there are levels aren't there of faith we see that in the Bible just quickly if you turn to Luke 7 well, I read Matthew 14, 31, talking to Peter, having just started walking on water, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Okay, so obviously there's little faith there, isn't there? Thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Um, and then in Luke 7, 6 to 9, we see the story here of the healing of the, of the guy's daughter and uh, oh, it's his servant, sorry. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither come 
uh, sorry, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So there are clearly levels of faith, aren't there? And there are some people that just have some unmovable faith, don't they? And, and the more I think, the more we, we become, uh, you know, the more we go forward as a church and get to know people more and have more people come in, the more we're going to see examples of this compared with other people, the more we actually really all, all get involved in church life properly. Because most of us haven't really been, have we? Um, and you're going to start to see that and you'll see people that literally just don't have a moment of doubt. They don't have a moment of doubt in, in, in any area when it comes to things of God, God fulfilling promises, when they're in tribulation, persecution, I know God's going to come through, come through for me. You get people that just have no doubt of, of so many of the promises in the Bible that when they do things the right way, things will work out, they're patient. Um, they're not wondering if God will answer their prayer. They know God will answer their prayer if it's according to his will. Um, you know, they're not wondering, is this persecution going to end? They know it's going to end because, you know, he said it will be for a time. And, and, and just, they just have this faith, okay? And that, that's a great thing to have, isn't it? And that, that could be a great thing to have around a church, don't you think? Great thing to have around a church, people that have that strong faith, because that can lift up others, can't it? It'd be hard when you're with people that are just naysayers, you know? And that could be pretty tough. But we, we want people with strong faith around. Um, right, 1 Corinthians 12, 9 there, um, if you're back there obviously talked about the gifts of healing here okay now i believe that we can put this along with verse 10's miracles and the miraculous tongues seen in uh, pentecost as sign gifts okay these are sign gifts um now don't get me wrong obviously god can and does heal people okay but not in in the way that we saw obviously in jesus's ministry and, and in the book of acts and that miraculous healing now Although tongues and the interpretation of tongues could equally apply, couldn't they, to a gift for languages? Some people have an aptitude for languages, don't they? A gift for understanding or translation, which I think is different to being able to just speak a language. Some people can speak a language, but picking up a language is different to understanding it or accurately translating it. Um, but I think here, probably, likely, he's talking again about the miraculous gift. I'm, I'm not sure, because there are, there are debates how miraculous some of the other mentions of tongues were compared with, obviously, what was a, a purely miraculous at, at Pentecost in Acts 2. Um, right, turn to 2 Corinthians 12. Okay, 2 Corinthians 12. So we're in 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 12. Okay, and Paul's showing how he qualifies as an apostle. And in verse 12, he says, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Okay, so these were signs of an apostle, signs, wonders and mighty deeds. In Acts 2.43, don't have to turn to it, it says that, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. But turn over to Hebrews 2. And from verse 3, Hebrews 2, 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. Okay, so the purpose of the signs and wonders, the diverse miracles and some of didn't say all, I, I think that some of the gifts of the Holy Ghost was to validate them, wasn't it? It was to validate them, validate those preaching the word of God, validate the word of God. Now, was it just the 12 apostles? Because some say it was just the 12 apostles. And, and whether or not, you know, Paul, Matthias, obviously Paul would then become one of those 12 apostles. Well, turn to Acts 14. And in verse 1, it says... Acts 14.1, and this is talking of Paul and Barnabas. And Barnabas, although he's sometimes referred to as an apostle, he's not one of the twelve, one of the twelve. And I think it's different when, it, when it's referring to him as an apostle, it's a different use for it. But in, in, in chapter 14, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake that a great multitude, both the Jews and also the Greeks, believed. 
But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil effect against brethren. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Now, again, if you could read that two ways. Some might say, well, the, the signs and wonders why, by their hands by Paul. But their purpose was preaching the gospel, wasn't it? So either way, because these are the arguments some of the charismatics will try and, oh, well, actually, no, um, you know, every, was it just apostle? It was this or that. Well, they're, they're preaching the gospel. God was confirming them as planters of the first churches, wasn't he? He's confirming the word of God going forth. They didn't have the completed New Testament scripture. And I know some would like to go to 1 Corinthians 13 now. I'm not so sure about that, so we're not going to for now. We're going to look at that next week anyway. Um, but that is far away from what we see in these joke churches now, isn't it? That is a big difference. These so-called miracles of healing churches, and, and they're absolutely wicked, aren't they? And it's all money, 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 and it, it, it's horrific, really, what they do to people. I was actually talking to a brother the other day about his family member who's, who's uh, like, given loads of money, inheritance that she got to these people through, like, one of those TV network things. She's just been brainwashed by it. She thinks she's going to get blessed. She's going to get this. She's going to send money to people like Kenneth Copeland and others. And it's, it, it's wicked, isn't it? Because it's easy to look at it and just think, well, what idiots. What idiots for getting involved. But this is, you know, sadly, they're victims to a degree. Okay, they do have a choice. But they are to some point a victim, aren't they? And these people are wolves, aren't they? And, and they're preying on these people. And it's... It, it, it's yeah it's just unbelievable isn't it well these miracles of healing then the miracles of healing that they claim that they're in an apostolic line or whatever else well turn to philippians 2 philippians chapter 2 and verse 25 this is Paul speaking here. He said, Yet yeah, I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labour and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because he had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Where was the miraculous healing there? Where was the miraculous healing? How did that happen? How did he get sick nigh unto death? It was only God's mercy that he was healed. Look at, uh, no, in fact, don't turn there, but 2 uh, Timothy sorry, 4.20 says, Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. Well, why did he leave him there sick if he could just heal him like that? Why didn't he heal him? 1 Timothy 5.23 says, drink, you know, many people know this verse, especially the ones that like to try and say it's to do with alcohol. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Why hadn't he been miraculously healed? Because the whole point of the signs and the wonders were to confirm the word, wasn't it? And to confirm the apostles. Um, so definitely a lack of miraculous healings going on. And, and some would say, well, it was later in Paul's ministry. Well, regardless, it still stopped there. And obviously, as we know, the sign gifts were to confirm the word. Now, what about the jibber-jabber tongues then? What about the jibber-jabber tongues? So, I don't know, anyone ever heard this stuff? Yeah? Quite most of the church have probably heard this sort of nonsense. And it's... I mean, it sounds pretty satanic, doesn't it? A lot of that stuff. It, it's wicked as anything. It's got an evil spirit with it. Um, well, turn to Acts 2 then. And I think this kind of, Acts 2 itself solves it. You could go for a study on tongues, but Acts 2 from verse 1. <clears throat> and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and, and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and in the parts of Lib Libya, about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. 
the wonderful works of God. It's languages, isn't it? It's clear as day that it's langu languages. Verse 4, they spoke with other tongues. Verse 6, it says, um, because every man heard them speak in his own language. Verse 8, and how we hear we every man in our own tongue. It's languages. And then obviously verse 11 makes it clear when it says, it says we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God, which is the whole point in it, isn't it? And that is the whole point, the mo whole motive of it. Um, and uh, for me, like, that's kind of it really, isn't it? I know, like, people, you, you know, you could probably do a whole sermon. Obviously, I want to go through this whole chapter. But, but it is ridiculous. And when you hear these people, they, I mean, they, they'll be praying for you to get this gift of tongues, to just talk a lot of nonsense. No one understands. There's some sort of prayer language. I don't even, I think some of them explain it as some sort of prayer language and that they've got this special kind of then talking to God and it is absolute nonsense. And what a surprise that every single one of them believes in work salvation. Every single one of them believes in some form of repent of your sins or, or continual repentance or whatever it is, salvation. Okay. Verse 10 though. So back to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Okay, so I believe that the prophecy and discerning of spirits do still exist. Prophecy being preaching God's word. We've gone over that before. That's pretty clear. And, and obviously that's not just from a pulpit. So it's not, oh right, I've got the gift of prophecy, that's it. I need to be a preacher. Because obviously we preach God's word every day that we go out soul winning, don't we? And, and not only that, Mums preach God's word to their kids. Husbands preach God words, God's word to their wives. Um, we preach God's word amongst each other in conversation, but obviously from a pulpit as well. And, and that's the prophecy it's talking about, I think, here. Um, now, what about discerning of spirits? Well, turn to 1 John 4. So 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4 and from verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Okay, so there are some, aren't there? There are people that can sit through sermons and not notice the false doctrine at all. There are, and we've probably all had chats with people and other people and been at churches where seemingly saved people will literally sit through a sermon where someone's clearly preaching false doctrine and not notice it. And it doesn't... And that's not because, oh, you just clearly don't have the, oh, you clearly haven't read your Bible. Just some people don't really have as much of a nose for it for others. And there are others that can literally just pick out every bit. And, and, and yeah, obviously, there can be the, you, you can have those that are literally waiting to catch someone in their words, okay? And I hope I don't have people there that just say, oh, I just can't wait to get him, you know? But there are those, there are those. And sadly, I've been at church, so I've been a bit like that, where I've just known that, that, that guy's not right, you're just waiting for it, aren't you? You're waiting. And, may, and maybe that's not because, oh, you're gifted because you clocked it, because you've kind of been expecting it anyway. But there are some that are probably, I believe, are more gifted in that area. But here's the thing, yeah? You're not gifted in that area if you just call absolutely everyone a false prophet, okay? The scattergun approach, okay? Everyone's a false prophet, you're going to get it right now and again. Yeah, hey, I've got the gift of discerning of spirits, yeah? Okay, that's not the idea. The idea, obviously, is, is there are people that... that can just they just have a have a nose for it i believe that's what it's talking about a discerning of that spirit of antichrist um those false prophets and everything else some people seem to clock it earlier than others um okay verse 11 said but all these work that one and the self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will so the spirit decides who and how many okay it's not just one gift necessarily and the Spirit decides who and how many. Now, yeah, you can pray for gifts, you can pray for things, but it's the Spirit that decides, and the Spirit divides for every man severally as he will. Um, right, this wasn't an exhaustive list. We see a few more at the end of the chapter. We'll look at it in a minute. But Romans 12 and verse 6, and I know that um, Pastor Mahir has just done a, done a series on this. I'm sure I've seen some of them. Um, 
which is pretty interesting. Uh, Romans 12 and from verse 6. Says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So that's preach according to, to the amount that you understand, I'd say, the faith you have. Ministry, let us, let us wait on our mis- ministering. That's what I believe the helping. Uh, he that teacheth on teaching, the teacher. Um, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, when you're an encouragement. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. People that are into giving, um, that have the gift of giving, and, and a lot of the time that could be financially as well. He that ruleth with diligence, uh, have the ability to rule, to, to be a good leader. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, and I know obviously that, that can be alluded to empathy as well. Um, okay, now, the, the Spirit decides what, and... I think that probably when you add that up with 1 Corinthians, that's kind of the bulk of gifts. But I don't know. I don't know if that is exhaustive. I don't know if their gifts are, aren't in the Bible. Maybe they are. I mean, we talk, you can look back in, in the Old Testament and, of course, uh, the gift of, of crafting with their hands and stuff, wasn't there? We were gifted by the Holy Spirit in that. Um, and there are many, probably many areas that we can be gifted by the Holy Spirit. Um, but he says in verse 12, back to 1 Corinthians, verse 12, he says, For as a body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Okay, so here he's saying, look, look we, as probably most of you know in your Bible, we often see the local New Testament church referred to as a body, yeah? Um, and just quickly on that, Ephesians 1, uh, turn to Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And just go over now to Colossians 1, just after Philippians and Colossians 1 and verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. So again, the body is the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Um, now, Colossians 1.24 says, For by one spirit, so when you're in there, verse 24, are we all baptized into one body, whether we... So, so it doesn't say that. Colossians 1.24 says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for his body's sake, which is the church. So... Um, Okay, so obviously body, body, body here. And then from verse 13 in 1 Corinthians, for by one spirit we all baptize into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Okay, so, right, the body, obviously, we're talking about the church. And this is yet another verse in the Bible that debunks the Zionism lies, yeah? Just another one here um, that debunks this Zionist nonsense. Obviously, Galatians 3.28, we're not going to go on to this for long, says there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Okay, it's so clear, isn't it, in the New Testament. Um, okay, turn to Matthew 3.11. Matthew 3.11. I know, it's, obviously it's a Bible study, these, and I think it might be better when it's eventually midweek, when you're not all tired on a Sunday, but uh, Matthew three eleven, he said, I indeed baptise you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptise you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So, for by one spirit are we all baptised into one body, okay, that's pretty clear, that's the Holy Spirit, we're baptized and that's that salvation it's talking about um and then it's also by that one spirit it says here and have been all be uh sorry whether we be bond or free sorry whether we be jews gentiles we be bond or free and have been all be made to drink into one spirit okay so what's the one spirit being drunk into well um i think if you have a look at john 7 here Okay, John 7 and verse 37. John 7, 37. And in the, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Okay, a picture of salvation there. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, so 
again there, we've all been made to drink into that one spirit. But just before that, he said, by one spirit, are we all baptized into one body? So we're saved into, and we should be saved into a church, shouldn't we? We should be going into a church. And that's obviously been hard in this country. But he's highlighting the unity we should have. And in that verse where he's then talked about whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, the unity we should have in the church across class, race, as one body of believers. One body of believers all indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Yeah? Okay, pretty clear. So verse 14, he says, For the body is not one member but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Now, this is a good reminder for everyone that maybe you're not gifted in a certain area, but you can still be a valued church member, can't you? Yeah, it doesn't matter if you don't have that gift, you're still, eventually as gifts are going to be manifest, you can still be a valued church member. But whatever you're gifted in, that obviously doesn't count against soul winning. We should all be soul winning, that's clear, isn't it? We should all be soul winning. But there are many areas for a church, and for a church to function properly, aren't there? Many, many areas for a church. And again, we're, we're at the beginning of a church here and we're growing quickly, aren't we? But as we continue to grow, we're going to need more and more and more areas and functions and things for this church to be, to be a success and to function the best it possibly can, yeah? And we're going to need everyone's skills and gifts to start coming to the fore for that to happen. Verse 17 says, If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? So if we were all preachers, there would be no one really to listen, would there? And... <laughs> If we're all gifted at ministering and finding things to do to help, there'd be nothing to do, would there? Everyone would be getting up with each other because they want to get on with stuff. Okay, and, and you know, that, it's true though, isn't it? And that's why like, we all have different roles, different jobs, different things that we're going to be gifted at. Verse 18 says, But now have God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Now this is a really good verse, a good reminder here. God, now have God set the members, every one of them, in the body. Okay. God builds a church. God builds a church. And it's a really good reminder there that God builds a church. Now, verse 28, if you just jump forward, verse 28 confirms it here in, in 12.28. It says, and God has set some in the church. And he gives a list. Okay, it works the same way as when he designed a human body. Okay, God is creating a body and God has set the people in it to make a functioning body. Okay, in Matthew, you don't have to turn it, but in Matthew 16, 18, it says, And I say unto you, this is Jesus speaking, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay, Ephesians 4, turn to Ephesians 4 quickly, and verse 11, Ephesians 4, 11, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay and wait to wait to deceive but speak of the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love verse 11 there and he gave some he builds it to become a functioning body Psalm 127, 1 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labour in vain that build, that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Okay, and I'm, I want to focus on this just, just a tiny bit longer for a good reason. Go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 and verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Again, the Zionists don't like that. And are built upon the foundation growth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Verse 20, are built. Verse 22, ye, plural, also are builded together. 
for an habitation of God. And last bit on that, 1 Peter 2, 5, you don't have to turn there, says, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So we are the stones and are built up, yeah? Pretty clear, yeah? That's pretty obvious. Built by God, the church is built by God. So with that in mind, every single person in this church... And the ones that are visiting, I hope that they move here in the future for this reason as well, have been placed here by God. Yeah, they've been that everyone who's a member of this church is basically being placed here for the effectual working of the church. Right. Yeah. And they've all got roles and parts to play in the church, which means that we need to respect and love everyone in this church for that, because they all have different roles. We don't always know what those roles are yet. But we're going to see that manifest with time. And God wants everyone here, here together to work as a church. But it's something to remember as well, because we can, when we're soul winning and we're talking to family and friends, we're getting them saved, like they just won't come to church. Like I talked about earlier, it gets frustrating, doesn't it? But again, I know there's free will. I'm not saying, I'm not turning into a Calvinist now. Where it's like God will just kind of pull every string and everything else. But really... God will, I think, convict people more and more. And God maybe doesn't. There are certain people that maybe wouldn't be a fit in this church. Maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they would actually be a better fit in that dodgy old NI, old IFB church that's just, you know, as long as they got the gospel right. But maybe they are. Maybe not. Maybe for a time. Maybe they won't be a fit here yet. Maybe that. Maybe there are people that get saved that it's not their time yet. And that they're not going to be make this an effectual work in the church. And that there's pieces just coming together. You know, it doesn't all get built at one, does it? When you build a house, you don't just shove everything in one day all together, do you? And it comes with time. And certain areas need to be built first between before other areas get built. And it's something to remember. And it's not because we can sometimes think it's all about our efforts. It's all about, oh, if only I could, you know, maybe I need to ring him five times in a week and make sure or send them another three emails or send them the pack and everything else. And it's good to follow up. We should follow up. Yeah, we want to encourage them to church. But ultimately, God builds the church, yeah? Okay, um, verse 19 says, And if they were all one member, where were the body? Okay, and that's what will make us an effective church, different strengths and roles, won't it? Okay, clearly, different strengths and roles. And it says, verse 20, But now are there many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And obviously that's the same with the church. Every member of our church should be a valued member, okay? Every single one. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Right, this is where I'm going to start picking out the feeble people here and go, look, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but seriously, yeah, I'll tell you one that we could think of here that's quite clear, and no offence, but maybe kids. People can sometimes think that the kids, well, I don't know, and, do, you know, um, someone asked, just, you know, we would do this, do we head count the kids or whatever? Well, yeah, sure, we do, don't we? Those kids, they are very necessary. In fact, we won't have a church in the future if we ain't got kids here now, will we? We won't when we're all old and crusty or all banged up in jail or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, we need someone to take over. Yeah, it might be some little kids in here taking over when we're all marched off out of here next week. Uh, <laughs> I better get some keys cut for the kids. But, but they are the future, aren't they? They're the future. And you know what as well? A lot of those kids, I hope, I hope they do, have a lot less baggage than us old timers here, don't they? A lot less baggage from their previous lives because I'm hoping they're not going to have that sort of previous life that we all had. And they are the future and they might seem a bit more feeble right now, but they are all the more necessary. And every child in here, I hope that they listen. They're listening to the word of God. They're listening to the preaching because they are the future and they, they are a big part of our church. They're a massive part of our church. Yeah. Um, and they're going to be here a lot longer than us. Um, Verse 23 says, And those members of the body which we think to be less honourable, upon these we bestow more abundant honour. Kids, we give you abundant honour. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. What about new believers? How needed are new believers in a church? Hey, eh? Aren't they? Make other new believers feel a lot more at home, don't they? Because it could be hard. It could be hard as a new believer walking into a church... You know, with all the amens and the Bible, and every time I get them to turn to a Bible passage, it's like, 
straight away there. You know? It's like they some people literally just open it on that page. You're like, wow, like, this is impressive. You know, and they're just sitting around thinking maybe they could feel like a bit of a fish out of water. You know, and it's good to have different levels. We want different people, we want different people at different journeys, different areas, because that helps. That helps with the fellowship around. And, and it's not that, you know, oh, well, they're just a bit uncomely. They only just got saved. No, they're all a big part of the church. And, and a good church should have different levels, shouldn't it? Um, and hopefully we'll be getting there with time with that. Um, now, what about other things like people with obvious signs of a past life? And I'm going to pick on him. Because the other day, I was at a door with Brother Chris here, and that lady was so willing to talk, and so wanting to talk, and the reason she said is because, obviously, Brother Chris has some obvious signs of, you know, of a past life and tats and stuff. She, she was like, you know, I'm really pleased. <laughs> she, she was like, you know, that you guys come, you know, and... In fact, she actually said that you're obviously not, you know, conservative and everything else. And Chris, I am actually very conservative. <laughs> but, but you know what? Because if, if, if it wasn't, if every single person in here and every person that was going out soul winning just was look completely just like they've been just reading the Bible from five years old, then that can put people off as well, can't it? And we want a big mix and everything else of people, and it can. And with that lady, actually, what do you think still? Still think saved? I think saved, yeah, I, I think so as well, and she was saved, and um, she, she, but you know what, she was interested, she, she wanted to talk, she wanted to, we, we could then leave her with New World Order Bible versions, couldn't we, and I think she would have gone away and watched that, you know, she had more respect for us, and maybe if, you know, a couple of st straighter, lace-looking people come to her door, she conservative Christians, you know, it's out of the door, whatever. I'm not saying we should appear to look what we're not, but, you know, it does all of these things do make a difference, don't they? Um, verse 24 says, For our comely parts have no need, but God had tempered the body together, having given more abundant honour to that part, part which lacked. Tempered is mixed, so God puts it all together. Okay, now we could easily, couldn't we, we could easily take roles for granted, couldn't we, in the church? Take roles for granted... But say we had no one here that could play the piano. Say it was like a year. And by the way, Sister Vanessa has learned especially for this, yeah? So, I mean, she's gone from, you know, a few hymns up to, what are we up to? 20, 23 hymns in the space of a few months. Amen to that, eh? And, but say we didn't have Sister Vanessa here. And say no one here could play the piano. And maybe that went on for a year. And I know Shaw Foundation, you know, our, our, our parent church, our church... Uh, they started with a one-handed pianist who was, you know, only on the one hand on it because they didn't, they didn't have anyone that could play the piano. Now, then someone turned up, say Sister Vanessa turned up a year later, she would get some abundant honour, wouldn't she? More abundant honour. Or so, I don't know, say we run a bus ministry or something and we, you know, but we didn't actually have anyone that could drive and then Brother Jamie turned up <laughs> and we're like, hey, man, Brother Jamie, you know, a year later and, and so we really wanted to do that. We had loads of kids that wanted to get here. People, parents were happy for them to come but they just couldn't get here. You know, and all these different things, aren't there? Like, it's when you lack them, then you realise that you need them. And we, we probably lack in quite a few areas that we haven't looked into now because we want this church to grow. We want to start doing more and more, don't we? And, and, and with that, we're going to start to realise where we have needs and other things. And it will be God that builds that church with that and gives us the people we need. Um, right, verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honoured, all the members rejoice with it. Isn't that a great goal, that there is no schism or division in the church? Um, that we should have the same care, one for another. Okay, and when it's no schism, again, like I've said before, it doesn't that everyone has to be the best ever buddy, but we should all have a care for each other, shouldn't we? We should all care for brothers and sisters in Christ. Turn to First John 4. First John chapter 4 and verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. Talking about God. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also, and, and that's an important, that is important, it's so important, isn't it? And, and 
it's pretty clear there, isn't it? We're lying when we say we love God, but we're hating brothers and sisters in Christ. And we really, all of us here, every single person should be really making sure that's not them in this church and that we should love each other. Yeah, you're going to have differences. That, that's bound to happen with a group this, this large and getting larger. That's going to happen, isn't it? going to be people that don't have much in common. There are going to be issues. There are going to be problems that arise in a church. But, but we should, through all that, our answer should be praying for those people, shouldn't we? Praying for them and not just hating on them. Um, back to 1 Corinthians 12. And, and look at that verse 26 there. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honoured, all the members rejoice with it. And I was thinking about, you know, for many, many years, I just had this really bad back where whenever I was standing, I wouldn't have been able to do this many years ago. Um, I, I, when I stood still, my whole back just seized up and, and to the point where I was, I was in a lot of pain and I had to sit down and it would relax again. And I went to all these charlatans who claimed to be osteos, physios, um, uh, chiropractors you all had a different way chiropractors gives you a click and a crack the uh the different osteos gave me different ideas different physios none of them got it yeah then i turned up at this um or i'd been coaching at this gym and one of the remember a brother uh he's not a brother brother john do you remember gary head said to me um oh just use a tennis ball and just massage out your hips and your glutes with it yeah and ever since i've been telling everyone this because it, it it's not just me but so many clients i had solve so many issues by just self-massage simple as that so basically i just lent on a wall and just lent on this like massage ball and over the next few months suddenly this problem that had been since i was in my late teens for years i'd go shopping at christmas and i had to sit down every shop i'd have to go and find a seat and i'd be like this and sit down and it would loosen up but i could run i could do loads of stuff but if i was still stationary or walking slowly which annoyingly in queues was bad food shopping nightmare now it's a piece of cake i'm standing here i'm shifting my weight a little bit but nothing like i was and it was simply just self-massage but point being that the whole time I was focused on the back. The back was seizing up. It's all the back, the back, the back. But it was the glutes. It was the glutes and the hips which were affecting the back. And you hear that in many different ways, don't you? People who, you know, have headaches from shoulder problems, don't they? And, and pain referring and problems that cause other problems. People have maybe a foot problem that becomes a back problem because of the way they're walking. And this happens a lot. And we hope that the headaches from shoulder problems, we hope that Jesus being the head doesn't get the ache for, for, for the way we behave sometimes. But, but um, it's not just, I think, and that's like us suffering with our brothers and sisters. That, that kind of is a picture, isn't it, of, of whether one member suffers. So when someone else is going through things, that we should, shouldn't we, as members of a church, that should affect us. We should care. We should, that should affect us. But on another way as well, we automatically do, don't we? There is an automatic affecting there where he says whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Not just should, but it does happen. Because if there are people clearly unhappy in church, there is a knock-on effect, isn't there? There is a knock-on effect. You, you notice it straight away when people are unhappy. Um, when people, when there's problems in their lives and it just bounces off, doesn't it, on you? Um, sin as well. That's why... I've, Chapter five, chapter five makes it so clear what the, why, why people are getting kicked out is because the effect they'll have on the church, the effect and sin does affect other people around them. And that's why it, you have to kick people out for those sins. I mean, one, because again, we talk a lot about certain sins, but I, I was thinking about it like with covetousness because it's such a knock on effect. So if I'm, if I'm just constantly talking about money and making money and this scheme and this plan, it just makes you start thinking about it more, doesn't it? And next thing you know, half the church are into, you know, get-rich-quick schemes. And, and it's a problem because covetousness, as we just looked at earlier, that covetousness, that seeking money, that setting your sights on money will just ruin your walk. And it will ruin, ruin your Christian life and it will ruin the church, which is why when there's a clear case of it, they're to be kicked out of the church. Um, but in the same way, though, in the same way as well, when it says, or oh, one member be honoured, all the members rejoice with it. What if, in the same way, if I just, after men's preaching night, say there was just one absolute fire sermon and, and I and everyone else is just like, amen, brother, let's choose someone that wasn't there. Brother Max, wasn't there at the last one again. <laughs> brother Max, that was the best sermon. Like, everyone's just saying that. 
Would we all, we should all rejoice, shouldn't we? We should, but would we all rejoice? Would there be a little in their mind, oh, what's your, oh, Brother Max, you know, what about my sermon? <laughs> or, or whatever else. We should, and I hope everyone would. But, let, you know, let's face it, we're, we've all got the sinful flesh, and there, there can be that, can't there? Or say one of the ladies just was bringing in just an amazing meal every single week. We're just like, wow, oh, it just tastes so good. Yeah, yeah, that bit's all right. Oh, everyone's just queuing up for that one that one potluck dish, yeah. And, and again, would all the ladies just be like, amen and rejoicing? What a great cook, you know, sister. I'm so pleased she could cook. Or would they be a little bit like, hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, you know, you know it, don't you? And... and Really, really, this is where we should be aiming for, shouldn't we? We should be aiming for this. But sadly, we do fall short. But we want to be trying not to fall short like that. Because we are all a body. We're all a body. And if she's being honoured and she's rejoicing, that's great for all of us, isn't it? Isn't that great for all of us? Now, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healings, helps, governments diversities of tongues now for sake of time i'm going to be quick here so notice the changing list he's added teachers helps and governments are they spiritual gifts i i think so um right we need a variety of skills in the church don't we we need a variety of skills like we've talked about and like i said we're new church it's always clear at the beginning there are gifted teachers though there are people that are gifted at teaching and and you know that some of you might think they're gifted at teaching. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But you know you're gifted at teaching where when you're teaching something, people actually learn what you're teaching them. Okay, that's quite a big giveaway, isn't it? Okay, so there are gifted teaching teachers. There are gifted helps, aren't there? Which I think is the same as the ministering in Romans 12, 7. That's what I see that as those helps. There are people that are just happy to help. No motive. It's not they're helping just to be seen to help. Everyone see, you know, blowing the trumpet before they start cleaning the floor whatever it is you know um it's it's not to be seen it's people that just want to help they're happy to help they've got no problem they just like doing stuff um and and there's a gift for that governments there are there are people that i think that's a ruler for romans 12 he that ruleth for romans 12 a and there are people that just have have more of a gift for that for leadership for leading um and for being able to to basically run a well-oiled machine and to just get people organized and to be able to have that oversight and yeah people with a gift for organization and look by the way that one is a gift so just because you have a desire to boss people around doesn't mean that you're necessarily gifted in organizing or leading governments whatever you want to call it okay um but and we're going to need that. And the more we grow, you know, it's like, oh, well, well, there's only one person here that's leading the church. You know, there's only one pastor, Pastor Thompson. There's only one, one, you know, satellite leader. No, because there are going to be so many areas, aren't there? There's going to be more we do and more. And as you know, what we're doing right now is we're trying to rotate the people that are here regularly, trying to rotate, get them doing different stuff, um, different, different jobs. And you're welcome to say to me, oh, actually, I'd like to try that. And that's fine. And we're starting to do that because I want to, I want to, Try people out, different things, see who's good at different, and start to see what gifts there are, not just, oh, well, I was here first, first come, first served on that job. Um, okay, it says here, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? The answer is clearly no. 31, let's finish off, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Um, now, the best gift we actually see in chapter 14, and verse 1 to 3, where it says, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. But for no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Okay, so, and, and again, like I said, that's not just preaching from a pulpit, but that is a good gift, isn't it? That's something we should all be desiring um, to, be able to, to be able to preach the gospel clearly, to be able to go out, preach the gospel, to be able to preach the word of God to, to others in our lives and everything else, um, as opposed to speaking some, you know, gibberish, or as opposed to speaking a random language. And that could, um, I'd imagine if, you know, that, especially with that, that miraculous gift of that, it was probably quite impressive, wasn't it? But again, that was, that was okay. Yeah, it was good at the time. But and maybe if it's not, you know, with the miraculous part, just being able to speak languages is a good thing. But 
everything we're doing is for, for the church, for the edification, for preaching the gospel, isn't it? And for getting that word out and, and definitely not to speak some sort of made-up devilish gibberish. Um, on that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for, for the body of Christ. Thank you for making it clear that we're all just such a, such a part of that, um, that we all have roles to play in this church. Um, help us to, to realise those roles, those gifts, those abilities. Help me to see those, to recognise those amongst people as well and to, to get people doing the things that you'd want them doing, um, putting people in the right roles for people to just help out, for people not to be impatient with that too and to just want to be a good church member and, and with time you'll reveal what, what positions, what roles, what places people have whether that's just in daily conversation, fellowship, or, or, or set roles in the church. and um, We pray that you'll just help us now with our week going forward. Uh, pray that you'll just guide us all um, with everything we do this week. Pray that you give us a safe journey home, and that, that most of us, apart from those that are eight hours away, will we'll be able to, to meet here again um, next week um, to honour and glory you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.